0: Love Talk Radio Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 This is the Bulldozer Matt Fremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet, every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. The Acoustic Kick Radio has risen from the action of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. The shit is the well, this is Mr. Insanity, Toby fine and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Boom. I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent. Spirit is right of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn and you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason man. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Give a nigga a real that cow, guy. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but... Now look at that doc, You only fuck that. Black me. Oh, this is bullshit, <laughs> man. <laughs> Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you. And fuck you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction, hosted by J Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza. Yakuza. Ken- chicken sandwiches because the food tastes great i mean there's no there's no i mean it's chicken it's fried chicken it's fried chicken i like fried chicken oh shit welcome to yakuza cake radio i'm your host J cat moore it's been a while i'm back for this for now for you know I- i get into all sorts of shit. I'm probably going to be shot out of a cannon, fucking brain all over the place. Um, it's a lot going on up there. Um, but I guess, you know, right off the bat, before we even get into me, I, I just... I want to, you know, give a rest in peace to Jay Briscoe. Um, he was tragically lost in a car accident this past week, I, I think it was. I lose track of time, so that's, that's not a... A lack of caring. It's just I, from day to day, it's it's crazy. But um, I you know to lose this guy that young is is terrible for anybody. You know for anybody that young to to be gone is is rough. But um, you know more than even a wrestler, what breaks my heart is is him being a father, because I identify with that heavily. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know how much I love my, my daughters, and you could see how much he loved his kids in the videos and, the you know, just the way that he'd be around them and everything else. You know, um, he didn't have the same type of lifestyle as me. He didn't have uh as, I guess you'd say, animal-friendly of a lifestyle as me. So to me, you know, I never... Connected with him one on one as like a person that way, um, I saw him as a tremendous professional wrestler like I mean unbelievable. um when I first saw him, it was Sewell February two thousand one, and I believe that was him and his brother's debut in New Jersey. I think they had another match in Delaware previous to that. I didn't go to any of the early Delaware shows. Uh, the first Delaware show I think I went to was TOD2. Um, I was attending around the time of TOD1, but I hadn't jumped out to Delaware yet because it was already, you know, two hours to Philly, and, you know, that was back Jersey. So, Jersey it was, you know, I wasn't really ready to take a three-hour trip for a company that just started attending and stuff. So, I missed that on a lot of the early, you know, Delaware non-TOD stuff. Um, But anyway, um, when I started going February 2001, crushing the competition, and I saw, like, just the talent that was there. It it felt like you were in another just universe because it was like you knew about the WWE. You saw some little high school shows where guys really weren't that good, and it was pretty obvious why they weren't on TV. You know, you got a couple guys up on top of the card that, they used to be on T V, but you know, it was what it was. When you went into C Z W my experience was being exposed to the SAT, the Briscoe brothers and, and the list goes on and on. Now, you know, in retrospect now you could look and look at that talent roster that they had back then and go, Holy shit, like we were really privileged to an insane amount of talent all at the same time that was just kind of coming out of the woodwork, was just being discovered and finding their, their ground and, and starting to build on their career. So to even see them that early, and then, you know, a best of the best wasn't long after where they um, beat Mondo in the first round, and then it was Briscoe on Briscoe, and that match was just like, I didn't know guys, I wasn't very familiar with like the backyard style wrestling, you know what I mean? So, to see a guy hit just like a, you know, a, a cradle brain buster, and then the, the guy roll out of that and get hit with like a half and half suplex on his head. And like, that that crazy like, Masawa, Kawada shit, where the head drop shit was just like, oh fuck. And then like a second later, the guy, the guy dropped on his head is hitting the other guy with some shit that looks just as bad. And, but they're doing it in a way where they're not actually getting hurt. So to me, it showed me this, this other level of athleticism and uh, I guess endurance ability to, yeah, sure. Some of it was no selling and, and whatnot, but These guys were pulling off precision moves that, you know, a lot of people would hurt another guy doing. And they were whipping them out back to back to back to back. And, it like, the crowd was just blown away, myself included. Um, Wasn't long after that, you know, Ring of Honor started up, and they were just obvious. It was just an obvious pick. Ring of Honor was building a roster. You looked around, and what was the talent? You know, what was the local talent first off? Because that's obviously going to be the the most cost effective to bring in consistently, make your main roster. You don't want to have a main roster. You're flying out every month. So what's the best talent right here? And then let's grab whoever we need to bring in from, you know, further away. And, And, I mean, the Briscoes were, I mean, you'd be ridiculous to not pick them up. Because their chemistry together as a tag team is unmatched. You could see the way that they gel when they go, you know, one-on-one. They know each other's moves so well. Um, they have such a... And, you know, through Ring of Honor, they had developed such a persona. Because, you know, they they looked pretty generic when they first came out. They both had pretty much buzz cuts or fades or, you know, whatever the fuck. And they just pretty generic, you know. And as they developed into the Briscoe brothers that we knew, they were one of a kind. There was no – you couldn't imitate what they were doing. It was so genuine. It was so – these these guys were from fucking Delaware. They were farmers. They were, you know, this type of thing. And that's what I mean. Like, you know, I understand, like, different mentalities on certain things. I don't agree with them, but I, I know that they exist, and I understand them to a certain extent. I don't I don't want to immerse myself in it because being – you know, differently minded, like I, I have chickens as pets. I don't eat them. I, you know, I eat their eggs and that's it. You know what I mean? And, and if they stop laying eggs, it's fine. Cause they're my pets. It's not like, oh, they stop putting out or, you know, but I'm on like the backyard chickens pages where like you have people who farm them for meat. You have people who have them as pets. You have both. And there's some very, very cold opinions on the farmer and farming side of things. So I understand that that exists. These guys were farmers for, you know, meat, chickens. This is, so their mentality on that type of thing is different. You know, they bred pit bulls. I I worked at an animal shelter full of homeless pit bulls. So clearly like, you know, this isn't like a shot at the dude or anything like that, but that's just, you know, where we didn't really line up. But like I said, when their persona came full circle and uh, emerged on the scene, They were not only the talented Briscoe brothers who were able to perform better than anybody else out there, but their persona jumped off the fucking page. They were real loud, real aggressive. They were stars, absolute fucking stars. And again, you know, back to that farmer mentality and the different things. Um, You know, some things that Jay said... And he felt that he needed to put out there to the world, which he shouldn't have. He should have kept that shit to himself, worked that shit out, you know, amongst his own life and whatever he had to do. But he said some shit out there that got him kind of, uh, you know, blackballed from from parts of the business, from the TV aspect. Because I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Um, the Briscoe brothers are easily the best tag team that we've seen like in this past 20 years I don't think that there was a better tag team in the WWE than the Briscoe Brothers. If there was, it's not by a lot and you'd love to see them up against the Briscoes if you haven't already. Whoever you're naming, it would be a fantastic match against the Briscoe Brothers. And if you don't you don't believe that, I don't I don't think you've seen their work. You know, um easily just talented and and again, Persona and everything else you know um you look at some of the top tag teams out there. The young bucks get a lot of credit for you know being a top tag team and this and that, but they have a whole different style. they have a very um choreographed you know and it's all choreographed, so maybe that's the wrong wording, but um, they have a very um dance routine kind of you know style. And you know they're more or less like a flashy kind of rockers kind of gimmick. They they don't really have that original of a gimmick. You know the Briscoes are the fucking Briscoes, and um, yeah. But like I said, above all of those things and and how immensely talented Jay was, like none of that shit matters when it comes down to kids that love their father. That don't get to see him anymore. You know, his his one child is is very very injured in the hospital and um you know, I I don't know like up to date in info or anything and I to be honest with you, I don't need to know up to date info. That's not my business. But um last I had heard, you know, she she wasn't able to use her legs and I just I don't know how to wrap my head around that. That's that's really tough. When you have daughters and then you see that shit happen to somebody else's daughter, and know that in the same accident that disabled this this child took her father oh my god it's it's so terrible, my heart goes out to them, and um that's that's what it means more than anything else you know I could say all the wrestling world lost fuck all the wrestling world i you know I've been very very open and um blatant about it that I don't give a fuck about wrestling. So when it comes down to it, when it comes to stuff like this, it comes down to the reality, to the the actual human being. And that's, that's where I'm saddest about this. So rest in peace, Jay. My um, heart goes out to his family. You know, I, I think they got a, um, a GoFundMe or something up there. I know Pro Wrestling Tees has a, a, a T-shirt that the pro, uh, proceeds all go to Jay Briscoe's family. So, support, you know, whatever you can out there to help him out, uh, you know, help his family out. And, um, yeah, it's just tremendously sad. So, yeah, um, there's just a little bit of going into my life and what's going on here and whatever. Uh, you know, still on the medication, still has this uh, somewhat of a fog on certain days where you're not able to do things. Other days, I'm out here killing shit, Um My physical training has been pretty consistent i feel like i'm i'm definitely close to having my body back the way it was i'm getting stronger and stronger i'm getting um really good really good weeks in you know when it comes down to compiling you know did i work every muscle every week I've, i've i've knocked that shit out for almost a straight month now which is really really feels good because you know after that two months of not lifting 10 pounds I mean, that shit, you know, to, to come back from that, the hardest thing to do is start from a stop, and that's a huge stop, that's a huge fucking stop, that's a life-altering stop that a lot of people, you know, when they go down these things, it, surgeries, major surgeries, that's the beginning of their downfall, it's like, and then I had the surgery, and then I gained 300 pounds, and now I'm on the fucking show with the doctor now. You know, like that type of shit. Like, I, I'm man. I'm not about that. I'm I'm about this revolutionizing my life and making everything different in a positive way. I want to make better out of myself, my life, my family, my house, my career, my everything. On the other side of this, I want to be better in every fucking aspect. So, that's what I continue to drive myself at, and there's a lot to that, the mental component is always the fucking hardest, always, no matter what, no matter what you have to overcome, mental is the number one obstacle, because if you're able to get that shit out of your way, because more times than not, it stands in your way, um, you know, you could accomplish fucking anything. I'm trying to do a lot of motivational stuff, um, so let's... Just get into this whole plug and, like, explanation of shit. Um, so I started doing a TikTok, and I'm trying to build that shit. Um, I'm going to ask you guys to fucking help me with that, support that, um, you know, share that, do whatever you, whatever you do. Um, I'm going to start up a YouTube soon, and I'm going to try to do more like these Type of things um and try to like segment it off into specifics you know so maybe i'll do one on on niner stuff i'll do a lot of cat videos for sure um a lot of um you know explanations on how to work with cats different ways um uh i have you know my chickens i have uh, you know workout motivation i have puppets i have like i really have a lot to offer and you know part of you know, me being home for all this time, I'm trying to build a fucking brand. I, You know, it, it's hard, you know, when you look at that shit, like, as an adult, and I have this, you know, crazy, like, insecurity, where, like, I look at stuff and I'm like, who the fuck are you to have your own this or your own channel or show or what the fuck? Who cares about what you have to say? But then you look around at some of the people who have become filthy fucking rich off of garbage you know like that fuck that shit kid jumping off his back porch and shit like that that kid made a lot of fucking money off of that shit um there's a lot of people you don't have to look very far to see someone who's really not talented or doesn't have a whole lot to offer just happen to hit this weird little angle and now they're filthy rich and never have to work and they have really nothing to offer i feel like i have a lot to offer you know that's that's the ground that i'm starting at is where look at them okay, now hear me out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I don't think, like, yo, motherfuckers should be paying me $30 a show to be doing this shit. But here's the reality is this shit for a lot of years was costing me $100 a month. And I downgraded this shit a couple years back. So I was paying, like, 40 a month or 30 a month. But still... 30th fucking month and like I could go on YouTube right now and just live stream for fucking three hours. I can't do this shit for three hours on this anymore because the $30 package will only get me two hours of talking. Not that I want to talk for three hours, I'm just saying in comparison. Um, There's, again, there's these people who are doing just about nothing and they don't have anything interesting to say. They don't have any um story. They don't have any personality and they're getting paid i'm paying you mother <laughs> i'm paying these motherfuckers to talk to y'all you know it's a wild shit to me and that's gonna have to stop um i just so i had uh you know that fraud credit card fraud thing go on where like all of a sudden suspicious activity on the card said so i gotta send you a new card so when they sent me a new card uh blog talk tried to charge me and was like uh, we couldn't process that card, so we canceled your shit, so I'm like, fucking great, so it was like a couple weeks ago that that happened, and I was just like, man, do I even turn this shit back on, like, it's 30 fucking dollars, I'm over here trying to build this fucking TikTok, which is free every time I hit record, but I gotta go pay these motherfuckers just to get, the ability to record through them again and it's just audio where i could do full video i could walk around my yard jump around show them a cat i i mean what the f- what the fuck am i doing here so you know this this thing is is uh i think coming to somewhat of an end um but again like i i'm i'm going to have a platform one way or another so whether i shift from here to there and i just paid these motherfuckers so i'm not done today or anything like that I, you know, I, honestly, like, uh, you know, it's at least a month. If I forget to fucking cut it off, it, it's on until my fucking card gets hacked again. I don't know. But um, I'm trying to make, like, positive moves like that. Like, stop paying for shit you shouldn't be paying for. Stop fucking, uh, you know, devaluing some of the things that you do have to offer. And so I'm just trying to do that. I, I threw the Venmo in the uh, description of my show. I'm going to start doing that. Uh, jcatmaras at yahoo.com, the, the Venmo, um, so, you know, and, and you just want to help support, you know what the fuck's going on with me, Um, recovering from fucking cancer, I work 21 years with cats, six days a week, I'm not, I'm not a begging dude, you know, that's the shit where, like, again, you know, the mental stands in the way of, of reality, because I've always been a never ask for anything, any, any of that type of thing. And I'm still that guy. I'm still 100% that guy. But it's like, it gets to a point where you're not even willing to, like, put a fucking, you don't ever have to ask anybody for anything. Just put put a fucking option for somebody if they, they wanted to be kind and they wanted to do something. You know, go out of their way. You see people doing it all the time, you know? Tragedies happening, motherfuckers' houses are paid for, and shit like this. I'm over here paying thirty dollars to talk to y'all. I don't, I don't think it's a fair balance. So, anyway, I just put that up there. Um, like I said, I'm gonna try to build these things. I, I, I want them to be interactive. I want them to be, um, you know, enjoyable for everybody. You know, anybody who's enjoyed anything I do up here, I could do over there. So it's just a matter of knowing that, you know, whoever's listening to me is with me, what they want to hear, what they want to do, and we can fucking do it. Everything I do is genuine. I don't, you know, this isn't where I'm gonna start doing shit that's not me. My puppetry, I love doing that shit. Um, You know, that's um, that's that, you know, that childlike imagination that you get to bring back in, and, and it's very difficult as well. So the creativity that you have to kind of lock into with that. And, um, I've always been a huge admirer of Jim Henson and, and the things he did. So that's like, it's, it's own lane there and, and there's, there's just a lot to it. But anyway, um, speaking of where your money shouldn't go, um, oof. yeah, let me actually, before I even go back to that crazy shit, cause I don't want to go down that rabbit hole yet, but, um, Also, I decided um, that I wanted to foster a cat. Um, Things that's mentally haunting me uh, since I've been out of work is the things that go on at work. And um, my value there has been very substantial through 21 years. Um, The difference in a cat's... uh, definition or how it's represented with or without me in the building is very very different so it's very troubling to me because i know the faces i know the names i know i know how they're talked about if i'm not in the room and you know make no mistake about it like i on i because i'm a supervisor there um well clearly not at the moment but all of my staff there is fantastic. My staff there is very, very good. They try to do the best they can to uphold the mission the right way. Um, it's, it's it's up above that. And that's, that's the tough part for anyone on the ground level to battle, anyone to stand up against. And it's a battle that took a lot out of me for a lot of years. Um, but... It's so hard to get around that. It's so hard to work through that, knowing that there's some things you just can't change, but the animals are still there. And it's it's impossible for me to mentally close the door on something and just go, well, that's the best I could do, but, the, no, but that cat is still in the building right now. What can I do right now to, to fix that? So I was just like, you know what? I want to start fostering a cat. I want to start trying to promote the fostering program through there. And I want to try to get more cats in people's homes and crates. And that's, that's the important part to me. Um, you know, if, you could foster cats of all sorts. You could take cats that are friendliest cat in the shelter and foster it and find it a home from there because it's, you know, a quieter, more laid-back situation, um, um, less stressful for a cat. It also gives them a little bit of a taste of the home to help them acclimate to the next home that much better. Some of that's very, very difficult with a very friendly cat. I'll tell you flat out because once you would adjust the friendly cat into your house, it's home. Like it doesn't, it feels crazy now sending it somewhere else, almost like you're getting rid of your cat. Like So that's where a lot of foster failure comes in. I feel like fostering needs to be done with a very a specific intent. Uh, fostering kittens that are under two pounds uh, you know at our shelter we would fix kittens at two pounds and that's the age or weight they would be available at so they weren't really available for adoption under two pounds of weight so under two pounds of weight sitting in the shelter the most they're going to do is get sick and draw attention away from the kittens that are available that are two pounds so if we had fosters that would foster those kittens until they were 2 pounds and ready for adoption that would keep them healthy, keep them from drawing attention away from the current kittens as well as give you a very drop dead date, okay? They're 2 pounds, they go back. No guilt, no, you know, no strings, no any of that attached, right? So that's a very, very good out as far as the fostering. Uh, fostering a sick cat, if you have the ability to isolate a sick cat in your house, whether it be a bathroom, whether that could be very difficult because if you have other cats, you know, you risk getting your cat sick. Um, but if you have an area that you can isolate and, um, you know, spray yourself down, sanitize real quick when you take care of that cat that cat's probably going to recover in your home quicker than it would in a shelter surrounded by other sick animals. So you can potentially get that cat healthy and send it back to the shelter ready for adoption. And that's, that's a very good out. Um, The third one, which is the one that I, I um, am pulling towards and, and available for is scared cats, scared cats, shy cats, um um feral cats, call it what you want to call it. there's very you know there's different labels. The end result is a cat being labeled as unadoptable when many a times this cat is just terrified. this cat needs your help. This cat needs a confidence boost when cats are fearful and a little defensive, and the result of that is they get put into a more dangerous situation, have to fend for themselves outside, have to find food, have to find warmth when it's freezing cold out. When it's raining, they have to find a dry space because the temperature is also dropping, and now that they're wet, this is going to be painful. I've seen cats with frostbite on their ears. I've seen cats with just shredded ears from the fights get killed out there regularly. They they eat poison, they get killed by predators, they get hit by cars, they, I mean, anytime that the weather is fucked up outside, and you go, it's hot outside, it's, oh, it's so cold outside, so shitty outside, whatever it is, when you try to pick up your pace just a little bit. To get back inside back where you're going back into air conditioning back into the heating back into the dry space whatever the case may be understand that there's ten-pound animals out there that humans have decided these domestic animals it's fine for them to live out their lives out there there are human beings that will continue to push for them to live out there because it clears out shelters and gives them the opportunity to continue to take township contracts and pay for their shelter to run. And it's disgusting to me. And I'm going to fight against that shit until I die. There are cats that are being just thrown into a death sentence on a regular fucking basis. And the thing about that is, is you can look up the stats yourself. You know, a cat has like a 15-year life expectancy indoors. Um, outdoors, if a cat is, is outdoors, stray, feral, they have a two to three life two to three um, year life expectancy, two to three years. And they say, like, if if a cat really does well and blends into uh, um, a colony, that can go up to about five. Okay, so, again, there are humans out here who have decided the scared cats need their life cut into a third at best because they're just not adoptable. They're not appealing to people. They're not, you know. Tell you a couple quick stories. Um, Herbie, who's laying on my couch like a proud, gorgeous little house panther, he stretched out. He was watching squirrels out the window a minute ago, and now he's just sprawled out, like not a care in the world, napping, right? That's immaculate. Like, you know, you look at my Instagram. You look at the pictures I post, they used to be a lot more of the shelter cats, and now, you know, they're, they're where I'm at. So um, you see a lot more of my crew. Um, but he was a kitten. He came into the shelter. He was bitten in his neck. Uh, he had a, a puncture hole in his neck as a kitten. Uh, he was probably about a six-month-old kitten. Um, pretty good little puncture hole in his neck. Um You know, we we threw him some amoxicillin to make sure you know the infection didn't get worse because he had a little pus coming out of it. But it wasn't too too bad. I've seen way way worse. But something had him by the neck as as a baby, so he's lucky to be alive for starters. But when he landed in the shelter as a kitten with a hole in his neck, he didn't know to trust anything. Something almost killed him. So now, when you touch him, he would. Flinch and jump his whole body backwards and get very defensive and hiss and be ready to swipe at you and do whatever he had to do. He didn't trust it. He was terrified. The contact didn't make sense to him. The last time something had him, they almost killed him. So you understand this is where his fear comes from. You can't possibly equal at the end. The end of that story can't be where we put him back outside where he got bit in the fucking neck but so many times it that's exactly that's exactly the case Herbie, he sat in the shelter for a year and a half and you know we had a six-month quarantine on him to make sure nothing rabid bit him um he was fine um but and he continued to be better with his shyness you know he, he would He'd let his guard down quite a bit to me, but he would still maintain being a shy cat and have some reservations. And he still does. Very, very sweet cat. If he's on the couch, that's his comfort zone. You can grab him. You can pet him. He drools like a dog. He's crazy. And you can mush him. You can do whatever you want. My kids grab him, pet him, hug him. But if he's out on the floor running around and stuff, he's going to, like, run to a safe zone. He's not going to let you just, like, grab him off the floor. Um, couch is his spot, you know. Um, but he sat in there a year and a half, and I ended up taking him home because I just, I I would always admire, like, what a beautiful cat he was over the time that I, you know, was with him. I I worked on his personality, but it just was never, every time someone came to meet him, just wasn't friendly enough, you know. So, but like I said, some of those cats, they spend a year and a half in the shelter, and the end result is, trying to find a place to throw them back outside because they're just not marketable enough. And I need a lot of help with this. Um, so Butterfinger is is one of those cats. He spent two years in the shelter and he bit a girl in the finger at one time early on in him being there because she made a mistake, um, didn't listen. Um, That's only happened a handful of times. Um, We were were running a really, really good ship there as far as, you know, people doing what they're supposed to and everything. There's a couple that jumped out as far as just blatantly not listening, and Butterfinger and Legend were two of them. So I know I told the Legend story not too long ago. It was the same thing. Someone got bitten. It's like (laughs) people aren't getting bit all the time there, I can tell you that. Um, but anyway, Butterfinger bit somebody. Um, he he spent a lot of time there. He he had been in a roaming area with all the other cats. He had been um, he had ringworm. He was treated for ringworm. He you know got through multiple months of being treated for that. Um, very fearful boy, you know, uh, very hissy, very defensive, but uh, not. I wouldn't consider you know equipped. Like, he could just go live outside because regardless of how equipped you think something is or how dangerous you think something is, or it, it doesn't change the stats. It, it doesn't change that three to five year, five is a very, very successful outdoor cat. That's, that's it. You know what I mean? Obviously, you know, your indoor-outdoor cats are going to be a little bit longer lived than you know, you're just strictly outdoor cats, but again, you are shaping years off of those cats' lives as well, and you're rolling the dice every day that that's the day, because any given day could be, up. Oh, something got them, you know, nothing gets my cats when they're laying on the couch, ever, you know what I mean, <laughs> if something health-wise starts to happen, we'll address it, we'll bring them to the vet, we'll do what we gotta do, but like, there's no, there's no, like, something got my cat today, like, that's not a fucking option, you know, which is... Which is pretty comforting to me, you know. Um, so anyway, uh, Foster Butterfinger, um, he's doing fantastic. Within one day of being here in in a crate in my kitchen, he just he's powering, he's sleeping through. I'm I'm yelling at my fucking Niners, and he's he's just sleeping through it. Like he's not even affected that way. In the shelter, with, you know, you could hear the dogs barking and all that. He he was so much more scared. He had made great progress with me, but he was so hard to present to a stranger that would walk into the shelter. So, um, so yeah, I'm fostering Butterfinger now. I have a whole list of cats that I want to take next. Um, so I got to get Butterfinger home before I can get them home. So, um, but wherever you're listening to this from, um, if you could spare a little dog crate size space in your kitchen – or your bedroom, or anywhere, and, you know, it's good to do it in a high-trafficked area, I can give you lots of tips about it, please reach out to me if you're interested in this type of thing, because even if you don't live by me, I can guide you through the whole fucking thing, and I guarantee you that there's a shelter near you, there's a cat in there, you'd be saving their life, you would be upping their adoptability, um, you'd be changing them from hard to adopt or impossible to adopt to this cat's going to go home because you're going to get, you're going to get that cat the confidence it needs and its entire life will be changed because of you, you know? So again, I I just, I got to promote that. I'm going to continue to push that type of shit. And, um, just, just a little bit there. Um, let me see girls basketball, man. Um, so I, I, my one daughter Crystal, she plays on the girls' basketball team. This is her first year. And um This shit is frustrating. Um, she um she's getting the hang of it. She's definitely a whole lot better with the ball. Um she's she's um we practice a lot. Um, I got her out here running drills and um we're out here just just playing and and she's definitely so much more comfortable with the ball her shot looks a lot better everything's coming together um frustrating is not her growth is going to come with time you know if she gets experience playing playing ball and now the girls want to play um softball so i got to get them all the stuff i got to get my own glove so we can go up to the park i hit them grounders and shit um you know but uh go into these fucking games like again i it, look I, I don't have anything to say negative about a child playing basketball that's not like this isn't this isn't uh where i'm going to fucking rip a kid apart your three pointers garbage what i'm going to say is these coaches are fucking trash and like they got these kids running these fucking plays where they're like passing around the perimeter like they're the golden state warriors They just pass around the perimeter and pass around the perimeter and never work the ball inside. And it's like, they'll call that play and shit. They'll be like, oh, it's fucking X or whatever. And they come up the fucking court. And you just watch them pass all the way to the left. Barely not getting it stolen. Pass all the way to the right. Barely not getting it stolen. No open passes. And they're working backwards. They're working where, like, one of these motherfuckers is in the logo near the fucking center court. And the other one's, like, three feet behind the fucking three-point line. And the other one's, like, on the three-point line. And they're all just, like, passing, passing. There's one person in the middle just, like, standing there, not even really looking for the ball. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Sometimes they are. and, And it's a great fucking opportunity. And they just keep passing it around the perimeter. And then they pass it back around the other perimeter. And then as they pass it back around one more time, the other team's like, fuck this shit. And they steal that shit and go up the fucking court. That pisses me off. Every time they jack up a shot and miss I, I'm fucking overjoyed because I'm like, At least we had an opportunity. You know what I mean? That's these coaches, man. And then I talk to my daughter and they're like and she's like, Yeah, like um they were probably at least a month and a half into playing and she's like, Yeah, we don't we don't scrimmage at at the games and I'm like, Wait, hold the fuck up. Y'all don't have girls playing against other girls in basketball. So the only times that these young girls who were learning how to play basketball, like, the only time that they get to actually learn how to play basketball against another human is in the game. Bullshit. What the fuck? And I I, I was like, this is some bullshit. So then I had to start playing, like, one-on-one with Crystal and then doing some, you know, like... Uh, okay, I you know, I'm obviously not going to go all out on her, you know. Um yeah, I got a lot of height, and <laughs> strength on her shit. I'm not going to like just ball her out out there. But, you know, I can kind of like let her go, let her go, let her go. She gets a little too cocky you, you know, knock a shot down, you know, get back in there, you know. So, I'm doing it, but I would really rather her be playing as well playing with girls her age against girls her age, so, I don't know, it's just, it's it's frustrating because you can only do so much, and then it comes down to how the coach is going to design the game, and you're fucked there, because they, this motherfucker's like a science teacher and shit, there's two of them, there's like a, a lady and a guy, and they just like talk to each other throughout the game, the other fucking team's coach got one fucking coach, he's talking to his fucking players. We got two assholes over here talking about their fucking week and what was on TV and shit. And the the fucking, the girls are out there running the perimeter. Like they're fucking Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and shit. They got like a fucking 25 foot jumper if they're lucky. They're over here fucking back in Steph Curry land. Fucking frustrating, what can you do? Um, deranged, uh... I don't know if you guys remember Deranged from Special K. Uh, The hell was his... Element was his other name. He came on the show years and years ago and rapped. So much of this shit just feels like it's not real. It happened so long ago, and it's so, like, distant to me. But um, I have to, like, remind myself, like, oh, yeah, he did. He rapped on the show. Um, Really, really talented dude. Um, He was in the era, you know, obviously Special K. Um, but very you know amazing reddish. He had very very quick abilities. You know he was um he was good. I liked him, and um he has some he had some skills as a rapper too. But he was one of these like rappers that would try to explain shit to you. And um I guess I explained some shit here, cause he blew his knee out at a, I don't even know what show it was, but he blew his knee out, and, you know, this is the point where we're grown-ass men, we're either going to be grown-ass men who take care of your fucking life, or you're going to be someone who's out there doing your best to fail, and then when you do, acting like a victim, and that's, that's how I see this, unfortunately, um because immediately after he blew his knee out he 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 went on this this you know uh like they're looking for money um because of this terrible injury but like he he's losing his apartment, he's losing his his car, he's losing his this he's losing his that. his girl left him all this uh, uh you know like it's like everything in his life collapsed because of his injury, well. Everybody knows these fucking indie paydays ain't shit. The show wasn't any kind of fucking AEW, or there wasn't any big fucking payoff. So you at, like, 40, when you've taken, like, big, giant chunks off of wrestling, this dude would take off six years, and fucking you wouldn't hear anything about him, and all of a sudden he'd pop up at a show. And he would try to act like it was, like, this big return and everything, which, again, like I told you, I liked the dude. I thought he was very, very talented at everything he did. But he didn't do it for long enough. He never made an impact enough. He was a name enough on the Jersey scene, on the New York scene, Philly, you know. But that that was as far as it went. This is a guy who definitely should have had, you know, uh, PWG shit going on. He would have did fantastic over there, you know, when he was popping. And he he just never got off the ground to that level, you know. And to just keep popping up and just like, yeah, I could just be Amazing Red. I'm fucking 38 now. Like, no, you fucking get... Settle the fuck down, bro. You start doing that crazy, flippy shit, landing on your feet, all of this back flip, fucking, uh, you know. And, and eventually your ligaments are like, yo, we're 40, bro, and we are we just quit. And that's, that's the type of shit that happens. So it's not like some unheard of, I can't even believe this happened to this dude. That's what fucking happens to old men when they jump around and land on their fucking legs and, and, and shit like this. You don't want to see people lose shit in life like that, but people can't be reckless with their own shit and then have you put it all back together over and over. You know what I mean? Like, this is another one of those things where it's like, I don't give a fuck, man. Like, I think I deserve money before this guy. You know? You know, I, I at the moment, I got this ability and this and this, and that's great. Um... Not not as much as I was getting paid before. Um, the fucking, uh, I have to pay my medical insurance physically on top of that. Um, because it doesn't just come out of your disability. Um, but, you know, I work 21 years, six days a week with animals. And and then I got cancer. You, you know, it, this isn't me, like, making a bad decision in life. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe you can get into that. I eat too much sugar or some shit like this. I don't know, like, and I, I, I've I had no doctor say that that's what caused it, I'm just, I'm just saying, I don't know, if you could find a way to say cancer was my fault, I don't know, maybe, but, you know, circumstances kind of fucked my world up a bit, and I'm going to make positive out of it, I'm going to make this motherfucker the greatest thing that happened to me, because I'm going to come out of this a better human being, I'm going to come out of this a better father, I'm going to come out of this a better... Fucking uh uh everything. Every everything. Athlete, uh this house is gonna look a million times better, everything. Um, so it's all good. But I'm just saying like, you know, when a deathmatch guy goes and jumps off of some shit onto glass and then he gets a really bad cut and then he's like, Yo, y'all finish you help me out like I mean I just would have said don't jump into the glass if I knew we were in this together. Because I would have said, hey, bro, that's going to hurt. And you don't, that's just going to cost a lot of money, don't you think? And be like, yo, good looking out, dog. But I didn't know we were together. You know what I mean? So this, this, again, is where I get a little annoyed with shit because it's some, like, oh, I just walked into this, like, huge fire. I wasn't trying to save anyone. I just walked into it because I wanted to see, like, how hot it was. And I got third-degree burns, and now, like, I really got... I need you guys to support me, and and it's, like, no explanation on the fire thing. You're just going to walk in there, and then you want me to pay for it? Like, what kind of shit? So, I don't know, man. Like, best wishes to the dude, and best wishes to the dude getting better and then never fucking wrestling again, because it's not worth it when you don't have money to pay for your fucking injuries. I just... I get so fucking irritated at that. Something about it hits a fucking nerve with me where it's like, I'm going to be the riskiest, craziest mofo you've ever seen. And then they're like, all right, well, shit. Is your ankle all right? No, and my life is falling apart. And it's like, ah, bro, I thought you was crazy. You just fucked your whole gimmick up. Um, Yeah, so I don't know. Um, Speaking of athleticism and, and, and that type of shit, I just watched the uh, Kenny Omega-Will Ospreay match from Wrestle Kingdom the other night. didn't happen the other night. I just watched it the other night. Um, That shit was fantastic. That's what I love about wrestling. That right there is when I watch a match like that is when I go, maybe I don't hate all of wrestling, and there's still a few things for me to watch. That's the shit right there where creativity, brutality, athleticism, realism, you feel like these two don't like each other, everything comes together to me. Like, you know, Kenny Omega does a lot of goofy shit, I don't like all that shit that, you know, they were like ass naked and he's sticking his fingers up the guy's asshole, looks like on the turnbuckle, I don't know man, I saw like a fucking, a gif of that shit, I didn't even see the match, but that's enough for me to go like I don't want that match in my fucking playlist. That ain't I'm not watching that shit. Um, like that goofy shit, a lot of the silly shit he does on AEW, but I don't watch AEW, so I can't even like address specific goofy shit. But I know he's on some goofy shit. But the athleticism he's capable of, like the shit he did with Osprey, and Osprey, as far as I'm concerned, is the best in the world because his athleticism is top-notch. When he first came out, he was a flippy guy that did the craziest, flippiest stuff you could possibly do, but he was just another top-notch flippy guy. He then invested in his character, he invested in fucking bodybuilding, he gained some size, and he got this vicious fucking heel persona and striking ability on top of this fucking, this high-flying ability that makes him, to me, unmatched. I, I, I'm definitely interested in his work when I see him out there. You know, against another top guy, I, you already know this shit is gonna go down, and that's what you should. You know, you should be able to look at a top wrestler and not go like, oh, what show is this, or what is this, or what is that. Just be like, oh, he's in it, shit is going down, and, and that's that's you know what you got out of this match is these motherfuckers delivered. So I don't know, um, that that's a must watch as far as I'm concerned. What's not a must watch? is Sean Henderson's Hall of Fame. Why the fuck is Sean Henderson have a Hall of Fame, man? Like I don't understand. Like I saw this shit so I saw this shit the other day on Robbie Marino's Facebook and I the first day I left it alone, I said, Alright, um nah, nah, you know. I Me mean, Robbie, like, you know, I, I said everything I said about him on the show and I meant it. But uh when I got cancer, he was one of the very few people to reach out to me. We weren't Facebook friends anymore. Last I fucking talked, I was burying this motherfucker on this show. I I buried him on post, tagged him in him. I did everything, you know what I mean? I pumped my brakes when we got to the point where his exes were hitting me up with, you know, the high-level personal shit where I was like, I don't want to affect guy in a in a way that, You know, he does something to himself or something like that. I I wouldn't feel good about that, and I I don't have that type of beef with this dude. You know what I mean? Like, when when the ammo piled up or you're like, all right, so this guy said he wants to fight me, and I'm showing up with a military tank and a motherfucking bomber, and you're like, yo, that's not what he was talking about. So I, um, I just hit the fucking brakes on all of that and just left it alone and moved on. But I totally didn't expect when I got cancer for this dude to come out of the woodwork in support. And I fucking appreciate that shit. So I try to stay, like, cool with Robbie like that. You know what I mean? And and if I see you struggling with some shit mentally or, you know, he's having a hard time, I'll reach out. Hey, hey, you are all right? You know, because he did that shit for me. And I appreciate it. And I, that's that's where we'll be. But I'm going to call out. Fuck shit. I don't give a fuck who does it. I don't give a fuck it's my brother or fucking anybody. I, I, don't, I don't call out anybody. And this isn't me even calling him out. I just think the shit he's participating in is fuck shit. I think the majority should be participating in. But, um, you know, again, where I respect Robbie the very most is as a father. And I, I think he, he's a great father to his son. You can see how, how loving he is towards him how happy he is to be around him. There's there's guys that they're ditching and dodging motherfucking meetings with their kid. Oh, I don't have time. I'll tell him I'm busy. Da-da-da-da-da. And these motherfuckers have to go out in life and try to find a father figure somewhere and shit. You know? Like I said, Robbie might do some goofy shit, but I know for a fucking fact he loves his kid. So, yo. Um, anyway, Sean Henderson, Hall of Fame. And I, and I, the first day I saw it, I said, "Nah, nah, let me let him live. I ain't gonna fuck with this shit." The next morning, I got up, sipped my coffee, flipped up my Facebook, and I don't know why that shit popped right up, but it did. And I was in one of these moods where I was just roasting motherfuckers online. The other day, I just had that that mood. I was that sarcasm was just like fucking springing out of me, so I was like. Oh, yeah, that's that's just something about Sean Henderson's Hall of Fame. Uh, Congrats, I guess. And then I I said, uh, maybe next year Frankie Picard will take off that fat Spider-Man suit and you could be in his Hall of Fame. Because, like, really, who the fuck is Sean Henderson? Like, as far as I'm concerned, like, I thought he was just running occasional shows, like... Like, um, GCW has Joey Janela's Spring Break, which obviously is very successful and has done big numbers. So, Tremont and Tremont's Apartment Productions, I think, does their version of that that is not successful, and it's called, like, Sean Henderson Presents. And I thought it was, like, half a joke and, like, another shindy just throw together all his friends and whoever the fuck wants to work on it and thinks he's a nice guy and whatever the fuck. And I I feel like this has been going on a couple of years, but it's a Hall of Fame? What the fuck? What? This shit is retarded. I, I don't... This is why, like, between this and the next shit I'm going to talk about, I don't want anything to do with this shit. Like, even being on this shit, talking every week about what these idiots are doing... I feel like gives them more credibility than, than they had before I started talking. So some of this shit I think I, I'll keep in fucking like text messages and and just the voice messages. You wanna know how I feel about some shit, hit me up, and I'll I'll fucking I'll lay into it. But like some of this shit it doesn't make any fuck like I don't want anything to do with the fucking people. You know? Like the ultraviolent underground okay i am i'm, I'm going to do my best on this one cuz these motherfuckers threw down some mind trick fucking this is some this is some special shit check this out to the best of my ability CZW launched or was about to launch ultraviolent underground Now, Ultraviolet Underground used to be something that had a a, a very specific reason. The reason was is they weren't allowed to do ultraviolence in Philadelphia. So when they came down on that, they said, okay, well, what about if we did that shit with nobody around and then showed it to them? I guess you could do that. So Ultraviolet Underground was born because they couldn't go to fucking Delaware and run shows every month, and they couldn't draw in Delaware every month, so even if they could... They probably could, but, again, you couldn't draw in Delaware every month because, for me, it was a three-hour trip. I was a monthly uh, attendee. CCW CG, in Philly was, like, two hours. You know, it was an hour and a half, two hours. Good two. And um, I wasn't making that extra hour every month. No fucking way. There was months that, you know, when you drove home and you were like, oh, yeah, this is just kind of like a build show. Like, they're just kind of set up next month. And he'd be pissed off because, yeah, man, that, that was still two hours. And that still cost me X amount to get in. And that still, I, I still had to leave work early for that shit. So, you know what I mean? Like, I, that, that extra hour wasn't working. But Ultraviolent Underground served that purpose. And it provided a handful of matches. And honestly, didn't fucking work. Because when they put out the Ultraviolet Underground collection and it could fit on, a, like, a DVD... That should be a sign that like, this wasn't like an insanely successful venture that we should dig back up fucking 20 years later when it's not necessary at all. Um, it doesn't make any goddamn sense. So anyway, the initial launch was supposed to be, and this was all announced by Shannon on CZW's website or fucking Twitter and all of that, whatever. Uh, season one of Ultra Violent Underground would be four shows. Season one. Now, this is not included on CCW Studios. You will pay $400, and you can attend all four shows. And we'll let you know where those shows are going to be later on. Can't tell you now, though. It's top secret, because everyone else is running death matches at, like, fucking... Wawas and fucking WalMarts and fucking like all out in the open. Nobody gives a fuck anymore. They're doing like Big Japan death matches in Jersey every goddamn month. But yeah, let's keep it really top secret and hide it. Like, oh, it's underground. You're a fucking weirdo. That's that's what you're. You're a fucking weirdo. Why are you doing underground shit that's fucking per- perfectly fine publicly now? All right, so. They're going to do this and you have to pay $400 and you get early access to TOD tickets. Yeah, because they sold out before in, in 2022 when you did TOD and you watched the guys walk from the dumpster across the field, that shit looked so packed. I wish people would have got their tickets earlier because people sure missed out. I, bro, you could fit another 10,000 people on the fucking field. Like what, what are we talking about? Uh oh, access the front row for um so that was the initial thing. Oh, and you get a hat and a T shirt. So and then they announced like Insane Lane is gonna be part of it. And the Calib butcher, who I don't know who that is. I I, I don't I don't really know who Calib Butcher is. I I don't know. Um, and then maybe like one other person, Otis Kogar or somebody else not really fucking interesting that I'm, I'm now going to pay a $100 to go watch. Are you fucking crazy? When like XPW is up the road every couple months, fucking ICW is up the road, GCW is up the road, and none of them are charging you a $100 to walk in the door. You presenting Insane Lane and that Calib Butcher... That's going to be a fucking sellout. This is insane. So this is like the first thing that, that that came out about it. And I was like, who the fuck is stupid enough to pay $400? AJ Viola will pay $400 because he's a stupid fucking mark. He's a dirty, stupid fucking mark. And he lives close enough to me. Come do something. Um. Anyway. <laughs> I don't like that little dirty cocksucker. So every chance I get, I'll just mention the motherfucker um, in that manner. Because he's just the dirtiest of dirty fucking deathmatch fans. And, um, you know, the type of motherfucker that would hate listening to this. And um, I love it. Um, So they would go to uh, this thing for $100 a fucking show at a venue later announced for a company who was really fallen out of doing deathmatch wrestling as as a primary uh, mode of entertainment. Like, that's not their thing anymore. So that's like this really soft sell on um, what they were doing. So then I don't really hear anything about it, right? So then the next thing is like, Zandig is having this thing with that Justin kid who signed him up for the other RF event at the arena. You know the, the you know the event that Rob Feinstein was running and Zandig pretending like it, it wasn't a Rob Feinstein that he was working with because the vendor that was paying him working for Rob Feinstein's fucking convention wasn't Rob Feinstein like yeah vendors vendors will pay you but you're still working convention run by rob feinstein but keep keep pretending as if you have morals and and you're dead set against pedophilia and things even though not so much you know um so anyway um and that may get even more complicated as, as this goes uh by the rumors i've heard so then zandig has this dinner with zandig and rf video thing because no one wanted to fucking see him rf, RF had a the arena thing the Hardy boys were there, uh, Bret Hart was there, and then Zandig, and he was gonna have people staple dollar bills to him, their twenties to him, and shit. And he was, he was gonna make fucking couple grand off that shit. He was limited it to like thirty five people or some, you know. He had it all worked out where he was gonna make a ton of money. And then like the day of, he's like, the morning of, he took a picture with the staple gun, the staple gun shirt, and he's like, today's the day, motherfuckers. And then. Later that day, he's like, so we decided not to do that. It was really unorganized. And uh, he just kept saying everything was unorganized. And it's like, yeah, but wrestling fans were there, right? They didn't hand you their money? Okay. I guess it was organization. Um, So then um, uh, he does this dinner with Zandig thing that's like $100 a pop, which – might I also add in the shot of this thing. So then that's that's the thing. $100 a pop, you sit there with Zandy and eat dinner. And uh, so this is, <laughs> which I can't even fucking imagine. Like it's 2023, like, yeah. All right, so Zandy gets dinner. And then out of that comes Schlack walking in with an XPW shirt sitting across from him eating off his plate and fucking drinking his thing and, and spitting him over to the, the, the left of John Zandig, you'll see, um, right, right. Sitting next to him is, um, hall of fame creator, Sean Henderson. So I'm not sure if he paid the hundred dollars or if he was security on the event or what exactly his role was. However, just worth mentioning going off the last thing. Um, um, so then, Schlack comes in, yeah, whatever, spits at Zandig, Zandig, oh, you're gonna fucking pay. So now, is going on that night. So I'm like, yo, is Zandig gonna work for fucking XPW? Because that would be the craziest fucking thing ever. Not only is he come back working for RF after blatantly saying that he would never work for RF, is he gonna work for Rob Black? And they set up, like, a whole angle that, like, really kind of laid the fucking groundwork for him to show up because it was Schlack versus Necro Butcher. Necro's got the MAGA gimmick and lifestyle, and Xandig just has the lifestyle. He can make it a gimmick very easily. Um, so that's kind of laid out. And then all of a sudden they're like, fucking Masada comes out, and he's attacking fucking Schlag, Uh, Schlack and Masada are attacking Butcher. So now they set up a mystery opponent, and you never know who could be. But that's in California, and I don't see them flying him out. So even though I thought this was still a possibility just based off of a lot of things making sense, and nothing making sense as far as Zandig and the way he used to be, as opposed to what he does now, um, that part you know his inconsistency and just manic fucking crazy trumper decisions, just like fucking just nutty shit uh he hated Necro when he he left the business too, and you know now they're both trumpers, so it's like never mind, all right um but uh but yeah so so they do this, and it starts up this whole thing, so I had um. Because I was watching the NFL playoffs, and I was like, well, let me, I'll throw the XPW on the computer, and I'll just go, like, watch the fucking game in the living room, and I was hoping that it would be a competitive game, but it was not, uh, Eagles-Giants, and I was hoping that this shit would get competitive, and then I was gonna go outside, put it on the projector, turn my little fire table on, you know, it's a little cold outside, so I'm not gonna go outside for a fucking blowout. but if this thing gets a little hype, it's a fucking beautiful experience out there. so I was gonna take it out there, but it ended up being a blowout, so I ended up in in my house for the whole game, so I saw a lot more of the x p w than I even planned on but i um i uh hear the commentator at some point, and they're they're talking and they're like, yeah, slack uh you see what happened on that, that dinner with Zandig yesterday? Yeah, like, Schlack went down there and challenged him, and, yeah, Zandig, Zandig's starting up that ultra underground again, and uh, that should be interesting. I wonder what's going to happen there, and I'm like, wait, what? I never heard Zandig mentioned with the ultra underground, and then I'm like, well, uh, I mean, so then, like, the next day, all of a sudden, I start getting... People are sending me screenshots of Zandig, Ultraviolet Underground, and I'm like, what the fuck? And then I start getting screenshots of Zandig flipping out on people, motherfucker. CZW and that fucking DJ Hyde have nothing to do with fucking Ultraviolet Underground, motherfucker. We're bringing it to fuck back, old school, fucking. And I'm like, like, wait, what? Wait, this has nothing to do with CZW, who launched the fucking thing to begin, like. There's no in between where Shannon jumps on Facebook and goes, "Hey guys, CZW sold the rights to fucking uh, such and such, or has sold the rights to an anonymous partner, and Ultraviolet Underground will now uh, still continue to move forward, but under new management." Or like, there's no fucking in between where any discussion has gone on, and now Zayn's mad that we think it's involved with CZW. <laughs> so. So I'm like, he's lost his fucking mind, because clearly it has something to do with CZW. However, and if you go on CZW's website, there's a link for the Ultraviolent Underground, like, still right now. And Zandig's picture's on it. <laughs> Zandig <laughs> enters the Ultraviolent Underground. So then, Shannon puts out this whole fucking press release about CZW's no longer, and I mean long fucking press release about all of what the fucking Ultra Violin Underground's doing. Now TOD tickets aren't involved because it's not really a CZW thing, but uh here's the link to it, and it's going to go, like, all the details minus the part where they blatantly say, we're with them. Like, it's fucking crazy. So now she's saying they're not with it, and Zandig's doing it by himself. And the other rumor I heard was that, a silent owner of this is Rob Feinstein. So if that's the background or if that's the backing of it, Feinstein and Pancoast and all that other bullshit. Yeah. I I don't know, like but this is this is what I mean. Like when I see this shit, I go, why am I following this group of fucking idiots? Like this guy's a fucking racist. He's fucking like He's posted all sorts of stupid shit. Why isn't there a white history month during black history month and shit like that. Zandig has lost his fucking mind. And I'm listening to him and then I'm listening to Shannon who's just a notorious East Coast rat who's just been fucking around locker rooms and and then deemed herself a vet off of years of doing that. And like she's just so now I'm listening to what she says, and then what this fucking crazy racist says, who used to be a fucking, uh, the icon, and now I'm listening to fucking, uh, like, uh, oh, well let's see what well, maybe XPW has to say. What the fuck am I doing? You know, this is the shit that, like I said, it really backs me off a it a bit. I laugh at it, and then I go, ooh, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think I'm supposed to give a fuck about any of this. And sure enough, I don't. Um, I'll you know, watch from a distance and laugh and go, look at this shit. But it's still, uh, I guess they're, they're going to renegotiate pricing and get back to you. And uh, now, uh, no TOD, but there's still hats. And um, I think the hat said, uh, Ultraviolent Underground, awaken your mind. I beg anybody who sees Zanding in person with an Awaken Your Mind thing on to point at it and go, oh, that's cool. You mean like woke? Like, please, please, <laughs> please do that. <laughs> because to me, that would be worth all of it. um, Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much uh, all I got for now. I'm going to um, – no, uh, as far as the XPW show, watch Drake versus Big Joe. That was really good. Drake's getting his old um, meth Drake body back. I don't think he's on meth again, but then again, I, I don't know what causes this level of crazy uh, with that. Again, we're worried about child abductors. We're worried about this and this, but we're working with all these different companies the work with Rob Feinstein. Not that he's abducting children or anything else, but I think there's enough fucking evidence that that went on video there that if you're so against pedophilia, people who were in that realm of being filmed and would make you not want to work with them. But I guess, yeah, um... So, I don't know. I just, uh, I don't understand the whole thing. And, uh, I don't think I'm supposed to, I, I think, you know, these, these guys are fucking living in warehouses, running these dirty disease infested fucking MRSA factories with drug use everywhere. This is a very, very large chasm in between this and my, my actual life. So that's, that's, what I think just had to snap into focus for me. I could talk about this stuff. I could, I could watch it from a distance, but yeah, I can't immerse myself in this anymore. And I I also really can't even respect people who do immerse themselves in it because it's why guys, it should be better than this. I'm going to keep putting out motivational videos on the TikTok and all this. And I, I'm pushing motherfuckers to be better than this. You know, not that, I'm the leader of anybody or, or um the motivating force for anything, but when I talk about people doing better for themselves, I wouldn't classify how most die hard wrestling fans are doing as what I'm talking about at all. I, I'm I'm definitely talking about better. Um, but yeah, um I think that's about all I got. Uh Plugged all this shit. Um, go fucking Niners! This weekend we are face to face with the Philadelphia fucking Eagles in Philly, which I wouldn't be caught that in, um, because I'd be dead. <laughs> to be to be quite honest, because I'm a loudmouth Niner fan, and that is not welcome in Philly. Um, definitely not playoff time. And to me, is you know, that's my thing. People always ask me, like, hey, have you, you gone to a, a game in Philly? Why? Why? What, what do I want to be, in, miserable or in jail or injured? Those are, like, how it's going to work out. I'm not going to be welcomed. Or I'm not. It's not going to be a good time when I'm cheering for my team. <laughs> what the fuck, man? I'm going to be in my living room, 65-inch TV. Jerseys hung all over the place fucking family niner geared out fucking clapping yelling at my tv with all my favorite snacks fucking blazing eating edibles what the what, what do i want to be in philadelphia for in the fucking cold you out of your fucking mind no, no 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 i'll be right fucking here and i'll tell you something my fucking niners are playing real my niners are playing real fucking football i i, I know the eagles got a lot of talent I know everybody in the world thinks the fucking Eagles are going to win. They're in the number one seed. Jalen Hurts is absolutely dynamic. Um, Our Niners are playing real fucking football. We play violent. Violence is the fucking answer when it comes to Niners football. We are... I say we because I invest in in this. I got a whole fucking room. My my gym is painted fucking Niners out. I have a chicken coop painted Niners now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's as much me as, as it is any other fan. But uh, the the Niners are they're rolling, man. And I have a lot of faith in Brock Purdy. Uh, he is doing amazing things that he's not supposed to be doing. But at some point, we got to give him credit for what he is doing, regardless of this do never happened before. A rookie can, a rookie can't, but then a rookie does. Let's start giving this motherfucker credit for what he what he does. All right, go Niners, motherfucking Eagle. I'm gonna talk to y'all here, there, every fucking where. Like I said, follow my shit, man. Get my fucking. I want to see my TikToks go up because I I don't have a whole ton of followers. I'm trying to just keep putting content up there, hoping this shit keep keeps uh building and um doing a little bit at a time. But um yeah man, I I know I've had um tremendous support here over the years and I'm going to continue to because like I said I just paid them so I ain't going to let my shit ch- just sit here although that's kind of what I do. Um but su- support me over there too, you know, and um hit me up. Hit me up, tell me what you you looking to hear, tell me what you're looking to see. And I'll try to incorporate that into everything I'm doing Because I got, I got a lot of avenues, you know I do a lot of this shit, so um, mm. I'll talk to y'all motherfuckers later Go Niners Peace Talk to y'all later Have a nice night Stay dry It's raining again Tired is rain Makes my grass green I won't complain about that that's all I got to say. I'm out of here. I love all of y'all and uh, shit. We're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You been in the gym, bro. You know why? DJ Hyde, fuck you. You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. I'll listen to your, to your podcast, and I'll find everything out. You know what I mean? You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, well, what I make you good? Black tell me tells me all the time to listen to well, what you yeah, got to say because you keep be blazing people. And I'm like, well, i got to hear it now. <laughs> you just know how to hide it. I lie. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth. Even when I lie. The Choose a Chick Radio. Jesus! So say good night to the bad guy. I'm going to tell you something, stay up the motherfucking breath. I ain't coming for no food. Sir.